Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. I appreciate you being here. And uh, we're going to be doing some things uh, with our children as they minister. And uh, you're going to be blessed by all of that. And uh, I wanted to just take a few minutes. And this is more of a devotion than it is anything else. We won't do a full-length sermon or anything like that or exposition. But some scriptures came to my mind. And the reason I wanted to say this is because I think children are important and they're obviously precious to the Lord and they ought to be precious to us as well. But we live in a world that doesn't really, I don't care what they say, our world does not value children. Am I right about that? And you think about the uh, stuff we're supposed to affirm their gender if they're five years old and mutilate them and drug them and do all those kind of things and it's just, it's not right. And then we... uh, Well, even since Roe uh, v. Wade was overturned, there's been a lot of babies killed in their mother's wombs. And there have been states that have said, well, if you'll just come to us, if you live in a red state that won't let you abort your baby, then come to our state, we'll put you up and pay for your expenses and go ahead and let you murder your child. It's just horrible, horrible, isn't it? And then I got to thinking, though, uh, I think sometimes... The church plays its part in all of that because we ought to love children. But I've uh, been been in churches and pastored churches who did not really have a love for children. I I remember one church that if you went anywhere where the senior adults were, the auditorium, their Sunday school classrooms, boy, they were nice, they were painted, they had padded seats, they had all of that kind of stuff. But the children, the rooms needed to be painted, and the youth room was just kind of in shambles, and everything was junky and dirty and all of that. People didn't show up on time. If you're a children's Sunday school teacher or nursery worker, let me tell you what I expect. Get here early and meet those children and let them and the parents know you love them and you care about them. One of my wife's earliest memories of Sunday school is sitting in a Sunday school room alone waiting for a teacher and other students to come. Boy, that's shameful. And that doesn't show that you value anybody. Be there, be enthusiastic, be ready, and be prepared, and have your room set up and ready and clean and all of that, and let the kids and the parents know this is big business. This is important stuff. Can I get an amen on that? That's the kind of thing that matters. Because we can say, oh, we love children. Oh, God, please send us some. But if we're not ready for them and we don't care about them, why should he? God does not put his children in a dirty nursery or a dumpster fire. God loves them and he puts them in there. We've got to be right and we've got to have the right attitude. So with that being said, let me just give you some things. We don't have a PowerPoint tonight, but most of us are old. And uh, to all of you who are younger, there was a day when we listened to sermons and we didn't have anything on the screen because we didn't have any screens. And we learned to listen. And uh, so tonight, you can just follow along with me. How many of you have a Bible? Say amen. Okay, go ahead and get it out. Open it up. And uh, we'll look at one verse for each point that we have. So how should the church see children how should we look we've got to be drastically different than the world where the world looks at children as a nuisance get them out of here send them to school put them in daycare uh, send them off somewhere else just don't let them interfere with my life 
We are saying today, we want children in our church. We want them to interfere with our life. And uh, when I'm preaching, if there's a crying child, that's music to my ears. That's not a bad thing. Now, I understand uh, some people say, don't have any kind of activities or anything like that for them. Let the families all be together. And I know the men like that because they basically kind of ignore things. It's mom that doesn't get to hear a sermon or get any spiritual food or anything like that. So the reason we started Children's Church a long time ago, didn't have it when I first came, is because we want the children to have a positive view of church and we want them to learn something. And a lot of times they don't understand what I'm saying, but they can learn from those of you who help. And this is also a time where I would make a plea if you can help in children's church, do it. If you can be an assistant to a children's Sunday school teacher, do it. If you can volunteer for the nursery, do it. Don't just leave it to the parents of the kids. They might as well stay home if they're going to just come up here and uh, babysit. Give them a break and let them be spiritually fed. Have fellowship with adults and fill in for them and help them. It won't hurt you to do that. I've even thought about that uh, maybe it might be a good idea if Every six weeks or so, Sammy and I say, we're not going to be in church. We'll be in the nursery and let somebody else preach and do that because we want to be involved in our kids' life too. Don't know if we'll ever get around to that, but if the Lord leads, I'm willing. Are you? You ought to be because children are precious in the sight of God. And uh, so if this is something that rebukes you, then so be it. If it's something that encourages you, then so be it. And mostly, I pray that it changes you. Okay? So, number one, how the church should see children. And number one is no surprise. The church should see children as a gift. And Psalm 127, verse 3. Psalm 127, verse 3. You know this one. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb. I always have trouble there. I want to say fruit of the loom. But the fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, notice there, children are a heritage. You know what that means? If we don't minister to children, we die. It dies with this generation. It dies with us. And one day the walls will be, uh, the doors will be shut and uh, there won't be anybody here because we've got to have people to pass this on to. That's the plan of God. He even told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. God loves children, lots of them. And he affirms children and he affirms families. And the church ought to do the same thing as well. So that's, that's enough said. I think we all agree on that. What a blessing it is to have children in our church. And thank you so much for those of you who work in Awanas, for those of you who serve in the nursery, for those of you who give leadership to our children and preschool ministries and all of that. God bless you. God bless you for that. That is a vital, vital thing. You're not eh, just working with children. No, you're working with gifts from God and the heritage that we have. Because some of you grew up in church and some of you grew up in this church and some of you, your children are uh, having Sunday school teachers that you had and going through things you did. Uh, children's camp is a good uh, indication of all of that. There were people there 
that were teaching at camp this year that actually attended camp as campers. That's a good thing, and that ought to be the hallmark of our church because we value children. They are a heritage from the Lord, okay? Number two, if you will look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, here's the point. The church should not be indifferent to children. You know what I find is not so much that churches just hate children or just, you know, can't stand children. It's that they just don't really care that much. They look and they say, well, I'm just working in the nursery today. Really? What if one of those little boys in there is going to be the next John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon, John MacArthur, or something like that? Would that change it? Oh, man, if I only knew that. Well, here's the thing. You don't know that they won't be. And there's got to be somebody in their generation. Why not here? Why not one of our kids? Why not those babies that you rock and sing to and tell stories to and change diapers on? Why not? Great would your reward be in heaven, wouldn't it? But so many times it's just, nah, just indifferent. I'll show up if I can. You know, there are sometimes people that are signed up to take care of God's gifts to the church and the nursery that just don't show up. Do you know that there are sometimes there are Sunday school teachers who don't get prepared to teach and they don't have their room ready because, huh, we just have a few kids and they won't care anyway. Well, you're supposed to. That's your job to care and to pray and to visit and to do outreach and everything like that. My desire would be if you teach, I don't know, let's just pick out one, first graders, that your prayer would be that you could reach and have a part in reaching every first grader in the Oklahoma City area. You say we couldn't hold them. Well, if we start reaching them, God will provide on all of that. But a lot of it has to do with the attitude. Some people just don't really care all that much. And we shouldn't be indifferent is the point. Listen to what Jesus said. See that you do not despise, and that word means think little of, one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. God, the Bible does not teach a guardian angel anywhere in the Bible. It's better than that. You don't have one angel. You've got a multitude of angels, and they always stand before the throne ready to be dispatched to do whatever the Father wants him to do. And Jesus here took a little child, put it on his lap when the disciples were arguing like a bunch of babies, and he said, you need to grow up and be like this child. Did you hear what I said? Grow up and be childlike, not childish, but grow up and be childlike with that faith and that trust and that love and all of that that comes with little children. Is there anything better than holding a little child on your lap or seeing a little child that holds up their hands to you? You don't slap them away and say, get away from me, you little charismatic. What are you doing? You love that when you do that. And the Father loves it when we act like little children before him and that also means we are to treat the little children fellow believers and that would include the young ones in a way where we're not just despising them overlooking them mistreating them or just flat out not caring God help us whenever we get to that point thirdly the church should boy this is a big one the church should supplement but not replace the parents Parents, we are not here to train your child. That's your job. 
We are not here to be the spiritual reservoir from which your child drinks. That's your job. We are here to supplement. We're the multivitamin for your children. We're uh, uh, the thing that helps your child, blesses your child, and backs up what you teach them. But the Bible is really clear. It's your job to teach them. And so that's why sometimes we uh, see children that grow up and then they don't really care about church because their parents didn't teach them. And the parents go, well, we don't know what happened. We had them at church every time the doors were open. Well, did you teach them? Were you the mainstay of what they learned so that it was backed up by all of that? One of the things that is a blessing is when you can teach your child something that a Sunday school teacher or an Awana worker or somebody in the preschool or the nursery will back up and affirm because have you ever noticed those of you who've raised children, have you ever noticed your kids get kind of, uh, I don't know, numb to your voice? Tone deaf to your voice? And I can't tell you how many times when our kids would come home back when Greg Kirk was here and they would say, oh, Brother Greg taught us the greatest thing. And then they would say it and I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then I finally realized, no, I should rejoice in that because I prepared with my boring repetition and all of that, I prepared the ground so that when Greg Kirk said it, my kids went, hey, that's true. And it wasn't foreign to them. It backed it up. And we would want it to be so that your kids come to church, they're loved, they're prayed for, they're ministered to, and they're taught the truth of the Word of God in a way they can understand it, where it clicks because mama and daddy have already prepared the ground for all of that. Now, I'm telling you, that would make a huge, huge difference. Now, I'm not going to be one of those that say, well, if the parents do everything they're supposed to do, the kids will turn out the way they're supposed to. That doesn't even work with God and His children, does it? So don't take any undue guilt on that if you've done your dead level best. But the problem is, sometimes we want to coast and we leave it to everybody else. You teach my kids and you be an example to my kids and you feed my kids at church and in secular society as well. And uh, my call is, parents, parents, this is your honor. This is your blessing because they are, as we saw earlier, a heritage of the Lord. So we want to supplement but not replace what the parents do. Deuteronomy 6 7 is the scripture. And God said to Moses, You shall teach them, meaning your children, you shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them the law of God diligently to your children. Now, you know, I find that most parents, a lot of parents, even in church, they're haphazard. They're scatterbrained about everything. They don't know that they're they're always taking their kids when they have questions to somebody else. Be a, a, a spiritual encyclopedia where when your kids ask something, you can give them a good and qualified answer. Now that puts the impetus on you to grow and to learn and to be what you're supposed to be so that you can pass that on to your children. So you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them When do you do this? Just at a family devotion? Not really. Listen to this. When you sit in your house, and when you talk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you arise. In other words, this is supposed to be something as parents we should be talking about. Spiritual things should not be foreign in your home to your children. 
And uh, sometimes you may have grandparents over, oh, we better pray. Grandma wants us to pray and expects us to pray. And you see these little kids go, what? And they look around like it's something weird or unusual. Should never be anything like that. It should never be the kind of thing where uh, your children are surprised when you know the Word of God or when you teach them something. It ought to be a constant thing using everything as an opportunity to teach them driving down the road and talk about the wildflowers that are on the side of the road. Who made those? And talking about creation and seeing a church and a cross maybe on it. Hey, you see that cross? You know who died on the cross? And talk about Jesus and all of those kind of things. Use every opportunity. Number four, the church should see children's ministry, you ready for this, as a ministry to Christ. The church should see children's ministry as a ministry to Christ. Now, would that change your attitude about things? Work in the nursery for Jesus. Teach your classes. Teach grade school classes. Work with the youth and the students and the college students and all of those. Do all of that as if you were doing it for Jesus Christ. Not in a haphazard, last minute, it doesn't really matter, they won't really listen anyway. No, but with joy in your heart, with passion, and with a burden that you were going there to minister to Jesus himself. Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48. An argument arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. You know why? Because they were looking at themselves and what they were going to get out of it. Does that sound like church? Every church now has this idea of we've got to give the consumers what they want and we've got to meet all of their needs and then they will come. Well, they do, but they come selfishly. Not to serve but they come for what they can get out of it. And if they don't get anything out of it, they're gone. And it's kind of the thing I heard an old evangelist say one time. If you can get them with a hot dog, I can take them away with a hamburger. It's who's got the best product and what goes on. Well, we've got something greater than anything man could ever produce. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessing that comes with learning the word of God together and we do it not just for the kids and not for ourselves but for Christ so the disciples were stuck on themselves what can I get what can I benefit from all of this and so uh, Jesus it says knowing the reasoning in their hearts took a child and put him by his side and said to them whoever receives this child in my name receives me. You let that sink in. When Miss Shirley gives out suckers, you know what she's doing? Giving it to Jesus. Whenever you go around and you pat a kid on the back or say hello to him or compliment him on something that he's done or get excited about a children's program or something else that's going on, you know what you're really doing? You're serving Christ. Christ said, if you receive the child in my name, you receive me. And he's not finished. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is great. Now, that tells me that we ought to have a completely different focus about everything. Well, my kid's not in that, so I shouldn't have to do anything with it. I've done my time and paid my dues. No. You're the one with wisdom and experience because you've done that. Step up and be counted and put your life into some of these kids 
And don't say, well, that's just not my calling. It's all of our calling to do that. And Jesus made it really clear. If you don't receive them, then what are you not doing? You're not receiving Christ. That's scary to me. That really is scary to me that we might actually ignore Jesus because we're ignoring the little ones that he sends to us and we just don't really care. And then fifthly, this is the last one, the church should not displease Jesus in the way that we treat families. And it's parents and it's their children as well. You really can't receive parents and young couples if you don't receive their kids. Now that makes sense to me because I wouldn't want to go someplace where they didn't like my kids and where they thought my kids were a, a pain, where they thought my kids were just not really worth their time or their trouble. What would you think? And how do you think God the Father thinks about people that don't really receive His children and the children that He gives to His children? He wants us all to be enthusiastic about one another and enthusiastic about the children and the family here, really, really ministering to the family, the whole family, all of it, oldest to youngest. Mark chapter 10, 13 and 14. Mark 10, 13 and 14. And it says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. You know this story. And the disciples rebuked them. Now, don't miss this part. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Indignant. So I want to just ask you. Whenever you get ready to go and teach on Sunday morning, the little children's Wednesday night for Awanas or anything else that you do, being a sponsor to camp or uh, whatever it is you might do, I wonder, is Jesus looking down and saying, good job, well done, way to go? Or is he indignant because you kind of see it as a pain and you really wish you didn't have to do it and you really wish you didn't have to be involved in it? That's what the disciples are doing. Get those kids out of here. There was a church in our area and I met the pastor because they fired him. And they fired him because he was having dodgeball tournaments at the church and having scads of kids from the neighborhood. And they were all minority kids. And the church that was mainly white didn't like those kind of people and those kind of kids coming to the church. And they fired him. And we wonder why our country's going to hell in a handbasket. And we wonder why we are seeing generations coming up that don't really know the things of God and why parents don't really see much need to get their kids in church. Maybe, just maybe, it's the attitude of people that are so uh, steeped in church business and church life that all they care about are, are my friends here. Is the coffee hot? Are the donuts fresh? And uh, do you have a good joke for me? It's got to be more than that, folks. It's got to be more than that because the times are just way too desperate. The message is too precious and time is growing short. If we don't reach them, who will? Well, the devil's got his crew to reach them. And if you don't want kids, he's got people that want them. And they believe in it. The devil and the world will spend billions of dollars trying to reach kids with alcohol, tobacco, sex, and all of that kind of stuff. And they're not even old enough to know what that means yet. Because he believes in the power of future generations 
unlike the church does. We need to be investing and working and praying and putting time into all of that because they matter and they really will matter in years to come. And so Jesus was indignant and he said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them for such belongs to the kingdom of God. What does the word of Christ mean to you? I hope you take it seriously. Not just a few of you, not just those of you to whom it pertains, but for all of us, may God grant that this be the attitude of our entire church, every person in it, for the glory of God and for the well-being of upcoming generations and all God's people said. And that's all we have for tonight. Brother Dale?